We also did really good things. This is a spiritual gifts assessment test. Uh, be sure to grab those as well. Uh, be really good things to help you learn how to connect in as a church member. Um, this morning, I get the opportunity to speak to you on worship of all things. Uh, as the worship guy, as the worship leader here. Um, and, and I'll tell you this. This was one of those sermons that was very difficult for me. Not because worship is hard for me to talk about, because it's, it's really easy for me to talk about. And there's so much involved with worship that, that I want to share, that I want to talk to you about. Um, but in keeping with the, with the discussion of, of community, we worship as community. I feel like, man, I really don't want to go to church on this morning. And then sometimes I get here and I, and I just feel like, man, I, just, I don't even want to pick up my guitar just because it's just a task sometimes to be here. And, 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 and I'll tell you, just remember that because there's some other things with that I'll share with you at the end. But, uh, but you know, sometimes it's, it's other things. Man, we, sometimes Jesus would understand if I don't go to church today. Um, sometimes it might be, I don't want to go to church because I can worship wherever and whenever I want to. I don't have to go to church in order to worship. And where that is true, this morning I want us to see that that we need this community uh, in worship. You see, I, I, have, I have a little, um, uh, excuse me, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, man, this, there was very rarely a time that I missed church. My parents instilled in, in me such a desire and a love for being connected with God's community that, uh, that there were very few times that I missed. You didn't plan anything for Sunday mornings because church was going to happen. In fact, you didn't plan anything for Sundays because church was coming. And, and so you, that, was, that was what you did on Sunday mornings. In fact, um, there, I was either sick throwing up or, yeah, that's pretty much the only reason that I didn't go to church. Uh, was I think that my parents instilled in me because uh, I love being with God's people. You see, there, uh, others uh, would give up coming to meet with the saints for other things, though. Now, I'm not looking at anyone right now. But it, there are certain times of the year, like hunting season, like sports seasons, um, and maybe some other activities and vacation times. I'm not looking at anybody, though. You know, sometimes we would choose to give up coming to church and gathering with fellow believers far quicker than they would missing a particular event in their life. To some, church has become optional. People are willing to make a lot of sacrifices for the sake of sports, jobs, money, sleep, fun. And not necessarily fun for Sunday mornings, but maybe fun the night before. And here, to, to sacrifice for coming together and worshiping the, with the Lord, with people of, of believers on Sunday morning. There are, are many people today that don't really understand why we worship as community. There are some of you that maybe have attended church for your entire lives and, and don't understand why we worship the way we do, why we have certain elements within our worship services that we do every week. You see, worship is far more than just coming to church and singing a bunch of songs and performing some rituals and enduring a 30-minute lecture. Some have to be endured longer than others. But each element of worship that we do has a particular purpose. It is very important to the faith community that we are. And so this morning we'll be dealing with, these many, uh, with many of these as we look at why and how we worship as community. So to start off, if you want to turn into your scriptures to John chapter 4, 
John chapter 4, and we're just going to look at a couple verses there. John chapter 4, verses 22 through uh, 24. John is the uh, fourth gospel, fourth book of the New Testament. And, um, and so you can turn there real quickly. Um, this is a pretty familiar passage. I think that most people have heard of this passage where Jesus approaches this well and, and this lady comes and, and he's talking to her about getting a drink. And uh, now he, it's, it's kind of unheard of really that a man would be talking to a woman like this in public during those times. And, and, and really much less that it's a man talking to a woman, but a Jew talking to a Samaritan. Samaritans were, uh, were half Jews and half Gentiles. And, and really, Jews really didn't look at Samaritans very well, with very good eyes. They, in fact, they, they, kind of, they kind of, sometimes the Pharisees would even pray that the, that, the, uh, that the Samaritans would be wiped off the face of the earth. That's how bad the Jews did not like the Gentiles. And, and it's more than just about the Jews versus the Gentiles, but a rabbi talking to a person living in sin. And so after some dialogue and heritage about heritage and, and a groundbreaking conviction of, of Jesus and the way that this woman was living, and uh, Jesus finally says to this woman in verse 22, you worship what you do not know. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We Jews worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming when worshipers will worship The Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning that uh, through Your Word, God, that we will see the importance of worshiping together as community. Father, that Your name will be lifted high. God, that you, uh, that you will just shine bright through this morning and uh, help us to, to focus on you during this time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, to get a better understanding of what is going on here in this passage, what's going on, what Jesus is really talking about, we really have to go back to the beginning, like all the way to the beginning of the creation of the world type beginning in Genesis. You see... God created everything to be perfect, and he created man to be a worship vessel, an instrument of worship. And God, he at times would come down and he would walk with man. His presence would come and, and they would walk in the garden together. And then, then man started, man disobeyed God. We know this story, and we know how the fall of man happened. And, and when that happened, God, who was holy, who was, without, who was a perfect being, could not be among the imperfect people, the sinfulness. And so, uh, he had to separate himself. And since that time, God has longed to make his way back to the hearts of men. To be and dwell among men. And, and, and you see throughout the, throughout the entire Old Testament, various uh, portions of uh, various areas where people were worshipped. Uh, even Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel, they worshipped the Lord by bringing sacrifices before the Lord. And Cain became jealous of Abel, and it really started wearing on his heart. And God was not satisfied with Cain's worship. So Cain had a heart condition, and he ended up killing his brother because he showed more favor with the Lord 
And he was jealous over that. In Genesis chapter 22, we actually see the very first time that the word worship is actually used in the scriptures. It's, uh, it's in the story of Abraham and Isaac. You know this story probably fairly well too. Uh, Abraham, who was, who was challenged by God, he, he, was, he was commanded by God to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And not just his only son, but the promise of, of, the, of the life and the descendants that were supposed to be to come through Isaac. It was a promise that, that God made to him, to, to Abraham. And so it wasn't just that, that he was going to go up and, on, and, and, and lay his son on the altar, but he was going to go up and lay everything on the altar. Abraham was old. This was like his life. This was his legacy. He was laying everything he had on the altar. And he uses this term. He told his servants before they went up to the altar, he said, we will go up to worship. We will go up to worship. And so really this is just being humble. Humbling yourself before the Lord. Laying everything that you have on the line. But you see, even throughout the book of Genesis, it wasn't until the the latter part of of Exodus that that God actually, he still had no dwelling among men. Even though he was worshipped by some. So through through the offspring of Abraham, the the nation of Israel, Israel grew. The nation was given instructions for certain places of worship under certain circumstances by certain people at certain times. They were instructed to build a tabernacle where the presence of the Lord would meet those who offered the sacrifices, but only in a small room called the Holy of Holies. And that's where the presence of the Lord would dwell. The presence of the Lord was too great for the common men. It was too powerful for common men to, to see. And when people brought their sacrifices, they were to be unblemished. They were to be perfect sacrifices, the first fruits of their growth. They were to bring those to God. And these sacrifices were to be made by priests. And the, only the high priests could enter into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, to receive the message, then to come back. And in order to be a priest, you had to be of a specific tribe. And in order to be a high priest, you had to be of a specific family in the Old Testament. And so those were specific people. And those those sacrifices that were made were only to be made at specific times of the year. Or for the forgiveness of sins. And so people in the Old Testament, they didn't worship. Unless there was a sacrifice. King David was a worshiping fool. And that guy could worship. He wrote tons of songs. And in fact the book of Psalms. Mostly was written by King David. Most of those songs are songs of praise. To God. But some of those songs are songs of repentance. Some of those songs are songs of frustration. Of things that are going on around them. In Israel. At one time during King David's rule. Uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the, the symbolization, not just the symbolization, but the presence of the Lord was coming back into Jerusalem once again. And David became so undignified, he took his clothes off and danced in his underwear in the streets. He was so excited about the fact that the presence of the Lord was coming to dwell among them again. David also worshipped in other ways too. At one time, David prayed and fasted for seven days. And when he did that, he didn't just pray and fast. He lay prostrate on the floor. That's when your nose is on the floor like you're just laying flat for seven days praying for a child that was ill. At the end of David's life, he, uh, he, he, he wanted to build an altar and he wanted to 
to buy a specific piece of property for that. And the guy who owned the property came, came to King David and he said, hey, you can have it. And David said, no, I want to buy it because I will not offer to God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. Sacrifice costs something. And so for years, this tabernacle was, was the, the symbolization of where the place where the Lord met. And there were, uh, but it wasn't until uh, King Solomon, David's son, King Solomon, uh, took the throne that the temple was built. And all of the practices that had been in this, in this tabernacle moved now into a permanent home into the temple, but the presence of the Lord was still hidden behind a veil. There were times, though, that, that worship was even not acceptable to God. People had become lazy, greedy, overpowered by false idols. They practiced despicable acts, and their hearts were far from God. And so God stopped dwelling in the temple while the people were unrepentant. So why do I go through all of this history of worship with you? Because Jesus is the embodiment of the, pro- of the presence of God who came down, who made His dwelling among us. He came to lay down His perfect life as we just sang about and to become, the crucified, and become crucified on the cross that sacrifice that was made once and for all. And when he died, that veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, signifying that God was no longer going to live and dwell in the temple, but in the hearts of men. Jesus is the fulfillment of of the presence of God living among men. No longer do we have to worship Him with blood sacrifices and rituals in the temple. Thank you, Jesus! You know what I'm saying? How gross would that be every, every week? And because of His death, burial, and resurrection, we can worship Him in spirit and in truth. In spirit, because God has sent His Spirit to live inside of us, and in truth, because we obey the truth of the Gospel and are saved. This is the reason we worship. This is why we worship. And so Jesus here, he was telling this woman that worship is no longer going to be contained to a place of worship. That he was going to be the fulfillment of God's promise. But worship will be, test, uh, will be a personal thing now. And you won't have to wait for some special person to do that under certain circumstances. You can worship wherever you want to and whenever you want to. Now, I know many of you are probably thinking right now, what does this have to do with worshiping as community? Because you just said that, you know, worshiping personally is, is, is okay, but hold on to your horses. It's about to get crazy, okay? So now that we have a better understanding of who we worship, so let's flip over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to go to verse... 42, or 42, and you, you see, to see why and how we worship. The reason that we do all of the things that we do on a Sunday morning is contained right here in these six verses. You see, in the early church, those believers who believed that Jesus was coming again, that church exploded in one day. 3,000 men were counted and were baptized. And that didn't include the women and children. On the day of Pentecost, they were, they were baptized. And the church, the church just grew just like that. Luke summarizes the meetings of these believers 
in these verses in Acts uh, chapter 2 by saying that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, when we worship as community, we, we, we do these different things all for a common purpose. So, so we see these different elements. And so when, when we look at these different elements in this scripture, we see that we worship community. When we worship at community, we listen to the apostles' teaching. There's something about hearing the word of God proclaimed passionately to a group of people that allows the spirit to move within the people. And that's a part of our corporate worship. We do it every week. When we do this, we agree that there is but one teaching. There's one God. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. We are strengthened and encouraged by the word of God as it is taught. But this element that we're doing is not just a mere thing about listening. But it also gives us an idea of that we need to take further steps to study. You know, in, in the book of Acts in chapter 17, there's a group of people called the Bereans. And these Bereans, they were, they were attested to being more noble. Uh, and and they, they looked and they dug deeper to find in the scriptures it, to see if what Paul was saying was true. Now, I'm not saying that we mislead you on Sunday mornings when we preach to you and we teach to you. But really what that means is that you want to you dig deeper. It should make you want to dig deeper about whatever is being spoken about, about whatever is being preached on. That word of God being proclaimed is kind of like this. If you, if you were to uh, go to the doctor and the doctor said that you had a certain medical condition and you wouldn't just simply take his word and say, okay, what do I, you know, I'll take the medication, boom, and you're done. No, typically you want to research that a little bit more, don't you? F- about five years ago, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And, and if I had just taken the doctor's word for that and just, you know, done all the medications or whatever, you know, I don't think that really, I would have known as much as I do now because I've researched it. I wanted to know how it's going to affect me. I wanted to know what other treatments are possible for this thing. I wanted to know uh, how to help prevent that in my kids and, and other people that are around me. You want to dig deeper in that. And that's exactly what we should be doing. As corporate worship, when we, when we worship corporately and we hear the apostles teaching, it should put a thirst for us to know more about God. We worship as community through the fellowship. Through the fellowship. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time with this because Aaron's going to be preaching on this soon. But as fellowship, we build each other up. You can't, you can't build yourself up by yourself. You can't do that by yourself. You need encouragement. You need fellow believers. You need people with like faith. You need to be pumped up. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. That is the way, that is the only way the body is going to grow, to encourage one another, to do life together, to exercise the body. Otherwise, just as a body is without exercises weak, so is the body of believers that don't fellowship together. It's weak. We worship as community through the breaking of bread. Each week we do this. When we take of the Lord's Supper and communion, we are, we are unifying with believers and remembering Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. Not just unifying within this building, within this room, but we're unifying with believers all over the world. And each week we do this with two emblems, symbolizations that were instituted by Jesus himself, the bread when it is, that was representation of his body that was broken for us. And the juice or the wine that was, that's a representation of his shed blood of the new covenant. You remember how we talked just a little bit ago about the Old Testament sacrifices? That was the old covenant. And how the, that Jesus is the fulfillment of God dwelling among us. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six 26, that whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. We're eager for that day, are we not? We worship as community through prayer. There's something special about a praying church. Throughout the book of Acts, we see example after example of what happens when the church prays together corporately. God moves in most powerful ways. In Acts chapter 2, the believers were gathered together and they were praying. And the Spirit came down like a rushing wind and descended on them to give them power from on high to go and proclaim the gospel boldly. In Acts chapter 4, the believers prayed together, praising God for the opportunity to suffer for the name of Christ. And nowadays, when people suffer, if we suffer for the name of Christ, we complain, don't we? And so they were gathered together and they were eager, they were excited about the fact that they were suffering for the, name, for the sake of Christ. And when they finished, the place shook like an earthquake. And they were filled with the Spirit to go proclaim the gospel with great boldness. That's what happens when the church prays. And not only that, but as community, we offer times of prayer for you. Different avenues for that to happen in your, in your bulletin and in the back of that, that little tear-off section is a prayer request form. And we tell you about this every week, about ways in which you can fill out that information to something that may be burdening you, something that's on your heart, something that just, this is just an ongoing thing I need somebody to pray over me for. And you can fill that out, you can put it in the offering plate, and, and that is a, a way for you to have that need prayed for. We also offer, during our services, times where you can come up and, and our prayer team is up here to pray for you. James 5.16 5, says to confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. We want to pray with you. We worship together. We worship as community through our giving. Through our giving. As community, we give toward a common purpose of sharing the gospel through the ministries that we support here at Chester Christian Church. Do you remember that example that we talked about earlier of people being willing to give up and sacrifice things for other things in their life? This is exactly what the early church did. 
in our passage here in Acts 2.42, it says that, that they sold their possessions and their belongings to distribute the proceeds to all. How much are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of worshiping through giving? When was the last time that we sold our possessions so that the church's needs can be met, so that people in our congregation, their needs can be met, so that the gospel can be reached? When was the last time we sold our possessions for those things? Now, a couple weeks ago, there was a a yard sale here, and I guess that may count. Uh, (laughs) but, But seriously, I mean, yeah, we... A lot of times at yard sales, we like to give up our junk. When was the last time we sold a piece of property? When was the last time we sold a car? When was the last time we sold something that was very special and precious to us? Sacrifice that for the sake of giving and worship. You know, we're, uh, we've, we've done this move campaign uh, to help reduce the debt on this building so that we can do ministry more out into the community. And there's, I guess there's still time to be committed to that um, and, and still ways to give to that. And so uh, you can talk to one of the elders or to Aaron about that as far as how to give towards that. And so how do you give in worship? You know, personally, I can't think of a better way to share what God has blessed us with financially than to give back to him so that people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Why wouldn't we want to give to that? We worship as community through open invitation. Each week we offer an invitation in our services to those who may be convicted by God, to those who may feel like that they may need some spiritual uplifting in their life, who want to make a public confession or decision for Him. In Acts 2.47 we read that the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. We worship, when we worship in spirit and in truth, these elements that we do, that we've talked about and seen through Scripture, it convicts people. It moves them to make changes in their lives, to call Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the invitation that we offer each week is because we understand that time is of the essence. And we want to give people that opportunity to respond to that gospel. And throughout our, in fact, But I want you to understand this too. Don't wait for a special invitation. You don't have to wait for a specific song to play for you to come forward and to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't know how to do that. Uh, Aaron is always in here. Somebody, one of the elders is always in here. Tap the person next to you and talk to that person. How do I do this? What do I need to do? We don't have to wait to that communion time or to that invitation time. Folks, the reason we worship as community is because we are a beacon to the world. Verse 44 says that all who believed were together and had all things in common. And essentially when we meet together, we lift our voices together in song because we worship as proclamation of of who God is to us. We join our hearts together in faith, in the faith that we profess. For a community of believers, we worship God because of who God is and what He's done for us. The psalm writer writes in Psalm 145.4 that one generation shall commend your works to another and declare your mighty acts. In Ephesians 5.19, Paul says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart for the Lord. Hebrews 13.15 says, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit 
of lips that confess his name. When we sing to the Lord, it is an overflow of our hearts. That the songs that we sing should be as prayers before the Lord. It should not only uplift us and lift the name of Jesus Christ high, but it should also motivate us to go out and to share the gospel message. You think of it this way. We all recognize that we are lights in this dark world, do we not? Each, each uh, Christmas time we have a, a candle lighting Christmas Eve service and each person gets a little candle that represents Jesus' light that is now inside of you. And, and we all hold it and that little candle produces a little bit of light and just a little bit of darkness. And that's what we are. But man, when you put all those candles together, man, it creates such a glow. It creates such a glow. This was past weekend, I lit off a campfire at Camp Rudolph, and, um, and, and this, this flame actually is a little, um, it's kind of crazy. It was bit, that thing had to have been 15 feet high. But it's made out of little tiny twigs. And so we can take a little twig out of the fire and it'll be burning. And that's good. When you throw it back in the fire, it makes quite the blaze. It makes quite the blaze. Former lead pastor uh, at Southeast Christian Church, Bob Russell, wrote a book called When God Builds a Church. And in that book, he wrote a chapter on worship. And he says this, that when we worship God, we acknowledge that there is a creator who has authority over us and to whom we are accountable. We humble ourselves in his presence and praise him for his goodness. We renew our pledge to obey his commands and seek his honor. What we do in one hour of corporate worship each week is to be a reflection of what we as individuals are doing the other 176 hours a week. And he goes on to say that evangelism is a byproduct of authentic worship. That's why we worship as community. We worship as community. This time last year... uh, Toby Bowles, uh, Sandy Rostis, Donnie Blick, and myself were actually on the way over to Nepal. And many of you know this, that uh, after our plane landed, we, uh, we got to witness and experience, unfortunately, a 7.8 earthquake over there. And um, during that experience, though, we remembered that we saw, we, you, you all prayed for us. And, and that was a great encouragement to us. Uh, you lift, uh, many people uh, across the nation and around the world were praying on our behalf, and it was a great encouragement. But we also gathered together as a team there to, to, and, and with the others that we met up with from Nebraska to, to, to have times of encouragement and prayer and singing. Now, under normal circumstances, you know, if there hadn't been an earthquake, we probably would have been in our hotel rooms singing behind closed doors. But because of all the tremors and the things that they didn't want us really to be inside as much as we possibly could, uh, we were able to meet out in the courtyard of the hotel. And while we were meeting, while we were singing and praying and, and, and talking about God, the hotel staff was drawn like a moth to a flame. They were drawn to us. And they got to experience and witness what we do. Now, if we were to have worshipped personally, if we were to worship privately behind closed doors, how would those people have ever heard about who Jesus was? How would they have known? How would they have seen? Where would they have seen that beacon of hope? In the words that we sang, 
Folks, yeah, we can worship wherever, whenever. But nothing, nothing compares to when we worship as community. And those days that we don't feel like getting out of bed, those days that we don't feel like coming to worship here because there's something else that's going on in our lives, those days that we don't feel like singing, those are the times that we need to be here the most. Those are when we need to worship as community the most. And let me tell you, when we do it, man, don't we feel so much better. Don't we feel so much better. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to come to a place like this. Lord, that we can lift your name high. Father, that we can exclaim who you are in spirit and in truth. Father, through all of the elements of worship that we do, God, that you are glorified in our lives. Father, help us to relinquish ourselves. Help us to lay everything that we have down as we worship this morning in spirit and in truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you may be here.